have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You got to touch. You have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You got to be possessed with the dream. The dream. Yeah. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight from the Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I'm your host on this personal development, personal growth podcast. Listen, if you are new to the show, I just want to welcome you. If this is your 157th time tuning back in, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you so much. And listen, if this is a podcast you derive any value from or you believe anybody else would derive value from, please do not hesitate to share it with them. Share it on your Instagram stories, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Link us. Just we would appreciate it so much and help generate more awareness of the podcast and what we're doing over here and who we're who we're guest starring and just it would just be so much uh, it would be so valuable to me and and valuable to the people that are on the podcast again so thank you thank you in advance for that so we have a special guest today his name is David Pitts he's a, one of my good friends man from way back when in high school David thanks for being here brother how are you doing. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited, man. You've been doing this a long time, and I'm excited to be here and, and be real. I appreciate that, man. And look, um, so I'm going to give our listeners a backstory because there are some people that are going to listen to this that already know who you are and you know, local to our community, what have you. But for the people that are in, I don't know, Canada, London, don't know who, who you are, don't even know who I am except for the podcast, from by the podcast, but... I want people to know who you are to me and I want people to know, I want to stage it right, right in the beginning from who you are to me and what, how I've always viewed you because this is something that you don't even know. Mm. I've never told you this. So this is a first time for you. (laughs) This is a first time for everybody listening. Say, so for those of you who do not know David, David in high school was and I don't mean to say this as he's not anymore. He was the fucking man. Mm. And listen, this is, this is, we're, we're talking to a star football player, fucking underwear model looking guy. <laughs> very, very good looking dude. I mean, this guy had a lot of attention in high school, but the thing that I always admired about him is that he always kept it collected. He was never a person that you heard about, that you heard shit about, that you heard, um, you know, oh, he's he's this way, he's that, he's not basically not moral. Like he had good morals, good behaviors, good standings, you know. And that's that's something that is a rare quality, especially with somebody who has so much attention on their name, on their face in general. So that right there, so that's who he was in high school. He's not too shy of that now going out into the real world either. But let me tell you this, that before I became a trainer, this is the other thing that you don't know is obviously you can probably presuppose that that's something that I would say based on what you remember yourself in high school as as well, man. But here's what you don't know. Before I became a personal trainer, there was zero people around here that were doing well in personal training. You were the number one guy. And I don't think you're not the number one guy anymore, but you were, you, what I remember you as the number one guy. You've kind of moved away from PT. 
you've gotten more into business with, and we can get into that with the off day trainer, but you were the number one, like every, you were sought after. And that's something that I always admired too. Before I became a personal trainer, you were somebody that I admired as a personal trainer. And I always, and I think it, it kind of carried itself from the bravado that I knew you would have to have in high school. And it, it, you know, it kind of obviously boded well for you in your personal training endeavor, your career, or rather journey, whatever it was, whatever you'd like to call it. But you were such a a, a profound um, template and example of what a personal trainer should be just from the sheer reputation of your name and what you, what the progression you were able to take people through and how you were able to get people results and how you were just not the, the typical, and you know who this is, the typical, you know, POS trainer that's just in it for the money and doesn't really carry the lifestyle, doesn't carry the, the nutritional, the discipline, all those other aspects that make a trainer a trainer and to lead by example. They were not leaders. You were you were and are a leader in your space. And that's something that most people that are in the area, they either know your name or if they don't know your name, they know, well, if they don't know your name, that's a shame. <laughs> but typically people do know your name because you've been a long, you've been around for so long, man. And the fact that if they don't give you this kind of praise, Trust me, they fucking think it because I thought it and I still think it to this day. And so you're one of the few. When I say few, I mean like, I don't know, two in the area that I can really trust on for their particular stance they hold in fitness, what they deliver, what they dispense with. I know that it's real. I know that you're leading. I know that this is coming from a place of you doing it yourself. It's genuine, you know, and that's something that people have to respect. It's something that I respect and I admired, I admired from you and I still admire, man. And so anyways, that's kind of a, a broad backstory on David, his, you know, from how I conceptualized David and what I thought of David and what I still think of David. He's an upstanding fitness trainer and that, and, and really fit pro. So with the fact that, you know, those things being said, man, I'm just happy to have you here. I'm happy to engage in conversation. I know it's going to be a good one. I'm sure we're going to have to talk about a lot of things, man, that are going to, that are going to hopefully lend value to a lot of different people out there that are hopefully listening. So with that being said, um, <laughs> I'm going to give you the mic, brother. Yeah, man. Shoot, <clears throat> man. That's, that's very humbling to hear. So thank you very much. Um, you, the feeling is mutual. Of course, I want to say that. And it's also one of the thoughts I was thinking when you were, when you were speaking my praises, the way you did, I'm like, man, I hope my kids are going to hear this because I've been trying to tell them this forever and they don't believe me. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, jokes aside, man. Um, I don't, I don't know. We'll get into the weeds of it all. Um, I don't think I'm anything special. I don't think I've ever been anything special. I believe I'm somebody who, who came from a, a, an upbringing who, that required hard work and, and nothing came easy. And I developed that at a young age. Um, <clears throat> I mean, in full transparency, I hadn't lived with my parents since I was in eighth grade. So I moved in with my cousins, my aunts. 
uh, friends, um, things like that. So I, I, I had to find a way to, to, to make it. And, and I always had these expectations. So I was real into sports, specifically football. And I had a, a loyal group of friends through football who I always saw as family. And I think that was a big part of what molded me. Uh, I, I realized as I grew up that I was way closer than to my friends than most other kids were to theirs. And I think in a way, my friends filled that void that, you know, I might've had from, you know, my family growing up. And so there was this certain amount of loyalty that, that I felt toward them that, and then was reciprocated, you know, because I had their back, they had mine, no matter what growing up. And I think, uh, I think a lot of my background um, growing up humbled me. And I think that was a good thing. You know, I think the hard times that I went through, um, you know, kept me hung- humble, no matter what success I might have experienced in my sport or in my life. Um, and then I just developed this mindset, man, stay humble, stay hungry, you know, stay humble, stay hungry, uh, be the hardest worker, no matter where, where you go, no matter what you do, but don't let it go to your head and, and don't pretend you're the best because you're not. There's always somebody out there who's working harder than you, who's naturally more gifted than you, um, who's better than you. So, so just focus on being the best you can be. And, and the things that you can control and everything else will take care of itself, I guess. I don't know, man. So I want to, I want to say that, um, the, you know, the, I mean, there's a lot to say, but I feel like your background that led you into football, let's start there. So the background okay. that, I'm sorry, the place you kind of you kind of found your spot, so to speak. You kind of found your crowd in football, yep. and then you got a lot of popularity from football. You got a lot of popularity in high school, you know, and you got a lot of attention from the girls, and you got you got a lot of praise, and something that it probably it perpetuates itself so much that you kind of stop hearing it after a while because it's something you yeah it's, it's nothing new, and even though. It's something that you take, you, you, you're humble in, and I understand that. It's something that when you hear it so often, you're like, yeah, that's cool. Like, it doesn't do anything to you anymore unless a person that is very important to you says it and then it hits home in a different way, mm. right? So when you start a personal training, you got a lot of praise when you personal training because you got a lot of results. And after so long you start hearing people say like here's the thing bro because i if you're if you're ever gifted enough in life or or grateful enough in life i should say to be able to hear somebody mouth the words to you you change my life mm. you are one of the elite like and i don't mean to say that from a from a you know hierarchical sense but like you are man like the fact that you have that anybody has the ability to to adopt those words that is insane because you know how hard it is to change somebody's life it's hard yep. but you do it without trying 
And people that are great at their craft, they do it with no effort. It just comes from them. It's whatever they're dispensing with as what they are bio, biologically. And it's whatever the other person needed. Like they need the purse, that counterpart that you have, they need that to be able to change their life. But you're only doing what David knows best. You're only dispensing the way that David knows best. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is when you started hearing this from people, what did that do to you? Like, how did that impact your life? Um, wow, shoot, man. Let, let me just take a step back. It's worth, it's worth noting that I got into personal training. Um, I started doing that when I was playing college football as a thing to do uh, during the off season. I remember, uh, I remember specifically a coach in college came approached me during a workout and he was asking me to demonstrate an exercise and and it seemed like like obvious like he goes can you do that again and I'm like what this yeah and I and I would do the exercise and he'd be like can you demonstrate that for the guys a lot of these out-of-state guys don't know how to do this and I can't explain it to them and I was like really I thought this was, I thought everybody knew how to do this. this is basic movements right so that was like a weird moment for me where he had me then demonstrating exercise for my exercises for my teammate to show them how to lift properly and uh that eventually evolved into me realizing you know what i really enjoy the 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 exercise right the the workouts the health and fitness side of of football that a lot of the guys on the team dreaded i was like man i love being in the weight room i love banging weights and getting after it right so naturally, I was like, you know, I'd probably be decent at training, especially when I realized how much I helped. I enjoyed helping people. And, and you can relate to this. You can relate to this as, as well as anyone. Um, empathy. It's one thing to have the knowledge and the background and the education um, to, to write programs for people. But it's an entirely different beast when you know how to articulate said movements or, or communicate, you know, motivation and accountability to your clients. That's that, that pulls on their emotional strings, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody has a reason. Everybody has a goal, right? And most guys will say, okay, what are your goals? Great. Here's how you do it. But not guys like me and not guys like you. We say, okay, what are your goals? And why are those so damn important to you? Right? Like, what are your goals? What are you going to do about it, right? Why is it so important? And what the hell are you going to do about it, right? And so when we start unpacking that why, their motive for action, now we start to kind of understand who this person is. And, and man, I'll tell you what. Uh, so <laughs> I'm all over the place here. So I started training in college. My dreams of playing in the NFL did not pan out. So I moved home feeling like a failure despite what you or anyone else might have thought, right? I take a job at a local health club, started training, and then I went to a big health and fitness convention and I met Todd Durkin, who's now become a good friend of mine, you know, 20 years later. Um, and I, I remember attending one of his lectures and, and I knew he trained a lot of the guys in the NFL and I'm like, dang, if I wasn't supposed to be in the league, maybe I was supposed to train the guys that are. Um, because I never was the most 
talented guy on the teams that I played for. I just always thought I was the one who was willing to work the hardest. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is my path. Maybe this is my destiny to train NFL guys. <clears throat> so I totally embraced the role of full-time trainer. And, and this is what I'm going to pursue for the rest of my life, a career in the health and fitness space. I didn't know at what capacity, but I knew that I had a real passion for, for training and exercise and health and fitness. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't until I met this woman, uh, a client of mine named Gabriella, who was a 60-year-old Hungarian immigrant. She moved here like 20 years prior uh, with her two-year-old son. And she, she told me her story. Well, <clears throat> let me back up. I'm all over the place once again. So one day I'm working the club and when you get new clients at the club that someone just paid, you know, for a, a training package, um, oftentimes you don't meet them prior to, they'll say, Hey, I want to 20 sessions with David. So this was, was one of those instances. And apparently Gabriella's son had purchased 20 sessions with me for, as a Christmas gift. So I'm, finishing a long day. I would open the gym. I would train for four hours. I would sell memberships for eight. And then I would finish training and close the gym down. And so it's the end of the day, right around eight o'clock. And I get a page over the intercom, David Pitts, please report to the front desk. David Pitts, please report to the front desk. Now I'm literally like, what the heck, right? I thought my day was over. I was going to chill and, and relax for the rest of the day. But this must mean I have a new client or a potential client waiting to meet with me. So I'm like, damn, man, I got to I got to I got to suck it up. I'm exhausted. So I go in the in the locker room real quick, splash cold water on my face and I go out to the lobby and there's this woman there standing there. And she looks angry. She's got her angry face on. And the people at the front desk, the guy at the front desk introduces me to Gabriella and says, this is your new client, Gabriella. Her son purchased 20 sessions with you. I'm like, oh, cool. Hey, Gabriella, it's nice to meet you. I'm David. Uh, I didn't know about this. Let's go upstairs, have a seat, and we'll talk about your goals and how we're going to crush them. And I go to shake her hand and she goes, like, she moves her hand away. She pulls away and she goes, I don't want to be here. She has this very very strong accent. She tells me she didn't want to be there. And I was like, Oh dang, <laughs> I have never experienced this before. I'm like, Oh, okay. And she goes, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, Oh really? Uh, shoot. If there's, if this was a mistake, you know, we could, we could figure it out. She tells me that her son purchased the sessions for her. And, uh, if it wasn't so expensive, she, she wouldn't have showed up. She only showed up cause he spent so much money and he, he insisted that she work with the trainer. And, and of course I say, Hey, we could refund your son's money, whatever we got to do. She goes, no, it's fine. And she kind of shoes me. And, and so she starts walking down the hall and I'm like, great, this is going to be fun. Right? So I go up and I sit in the office and I get to try to try to get to know her, asking her about her goals and we could hardly understand each other. It was a lot. So then we go out on the fitness floor. I start showing her some machines and some exercises. Uh, it's a 30 minute consultation and I'm just trying to get through it at this point. Right? Long day. <clears throat> I leave there. I try to, you know, shake her hand. She wants nothing to do with me. She leaves um, without even confirming the next session. And, and I tell one of my buddies who sold memberships, I go, there's no way that girl's coming back. He goes, if she does, do you want me to put her with a different trainer or, or what do you want to do? I'm like, no, I'll take her. If she wants to train, it's fine, but I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> so two days later, sure enough, eight o'clock, Gabriella shows up and I got her on this, you know, walking on the tread climber, just trying to talk to her again and 
And she's same thing, very angry, you know, very, you know, quiet. Um, and as I'm trying to find out how she feels, uh, she actually did tell me that she was very sore, but she actually enjoyed it because it made her feel like she was, did something. And I was like, oh, dang, like there's hope here. There's hope. Right. So in that moment, I'm like, all right, I'm going to break this lady. Right. She's going, not only is she going to embrace my program, but she's going to enjoy it. And hopefully I could, you know, create some lasting change here, some lasting transformation. So long story short, six months goes by and Gabriella becomes my top client, my favorite client of all time. She's never late, never misses a session, shows up, she gets to work because we can hardly understand each other. There's not a lot of time chit chatting. It's all business. She's 30 minutes. It's in, out. She does her 20 minutes of cardio before she leaves every single time. And I remember this one night, 10 minutes before the session, I'm looking around. I don't see Gabriella. I'm working with another client. And she's always coming in saying hi. And then she points to where she's going to be. And that didn't happen. So I finished my client. I'm looking around. Gabriella's not there. I'm like, oh, weird. So I wait a few minutes. Still no Gabriella. And she's never been late. This is six months in. She's never been late. <clears throat> and then as I'm going to, down to um, text her, I was going to go down the stairs. She's walking up. And I go, Gabriella, there you are. I was just about to send a search team for you. Where the heck you been, girl? And I could tell she had been crying. And I was like, oh, dang, um, is everything okay? And she goes, hi, David. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm late. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Are you all right? And she goes, yeah, can, can I talk to you in your office? And I'm like, yeah, of course, let's go. So we go sit in my office. And she just like starts welling up, man. She's telling me she's late because her family had a surprise party for her. It was her birthday that were celebrating her birthday and her success because she had lost so much weight and she had completely transformed her life. And she's telling me all this stuff. And um, she goes on to talk about how, you know, her son, her daughter-in-law, her, her, like her whole entire family just celebrating her and making her feel so good for her accomplishments. And then she goes, can I tell you a story? And she tells me about when she migrated here with her two-year-old son and how they were eating out of trash cans and she was working three jobs and they were living on the streets and she did all these things and she was very successful. She, she, she made a, a very wealthy life for herself and she's 100% self-made and she, her, very successful. So she's telling me about all her trials and tribulations and, and failures and, and everything she went through. And she's telling me how, you know, her son's now a doctor and he has a beautiful wife and they have beautiful kids. She has beautiful grandkids, all of this stuff. Right. And um, she goes, I worked my whole life for my son and I just wanted to give him a life that I never had growing up because she tells me how they didn't have health and fitness. They didn't have P.E. They didn't. She never exercised a day in her life before me. And she goes, but tonight he told me all of these things and everyone shared how proud of me they were. And all I could think about was you. She goes, they're praising me. And I would have never done this if it wasn't for you. So she, now she's sitting there crying and telling me that because I was so kind, because I was trying to understand her, and because I was trying to, to adapt the programs to what she was willing to do, even though there were so many things that she, I mean, I would tell her to do two more reps and she would slam the weight down and just turn around and not even face me, right? So she was recognizing who she was in the beginning and who tr she transformed into. But what was crazy is she wanted to give me all the credit. And it was that moment. And I was like, is that what this is all about? I'm like, 
come on, girl, let's go work out. Like, this is you. You did this. And she goes, no, David, you don't understand. I would have never, ever done this if it wasn't for you. Your patience, your understanding, your kindness. And so we had a little bit of a moment there. Um, and it was that moment that transformed the way I trained everybody. Because it was that moment when I was like, I don't care about training guys in the NFL. I don't care about training athletes or I just genuinely love that. Like I helped that girl and I will never take the credit that she was trying to give me, but I did play a role and I recognized that and it felt really good. And I don't know if everyone would, would get the same reaction from that as you and I would, but I knew in that moment, I wanted to create that experience for everyone I ever worked with. And, and so that was really the way I approached every client from that point on. And I think that's why I had success because I'll tell you, uh, also, you know, Gabriella, Gabriella and I, Gabriella and I had that, that friction in, in the way we communicated, but she could text. So we were texting like crazy and I would, I would hold her accountable to her, 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 her personal stuff, her diet you know, via text and she could text me back. So then I'm like, you know what? Gabriella's getting great results because I'm texting her every day. Why am I not texting all of my clients every day, right? And, and I become known as a results guy because I'm obsessing now more about what my clients are doing when they're not with me than they are when they are with me. And that ultimately leads to the software and, and, and everything else that I'm doing, right? So I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't have like, like any wisdom as far as, you know, what somebody needs to do to, to accomplish success in this space. But I do know you, you need to care. You do need to care and you need to be able to articulate that and, and articulate whatever it is you ask or require your clients to do in a way that makes them under, understand how much you care, right? There's a, there's a saying, nobody, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And I just think that that that's never been more evident than in our space. You know, the personal training world, the, the health and fitness coaching space, uh, it's very personal in that regard. And, and for me, that was, that was a pivotal moment in my career where I was like, okay, like no more messing around. I realized in that moment for the first time, oh, everyone doesn't work out. Everyone doesn't enjoy this stuff. Everyone doesn't enjoy banging weights or throwing loaded barbells on their back and doing birthday reps, you know, like, like we do, right? We're crazy. We're weird in that regard. Um, but everyone has a goal and everybody wants to feel good. That's for damn sure. So if we could understand and empathize toward their goals and their, and their challenges and then provide a solution, essentially we have the opportunity to change people's lives. And that's always what stuck me around. No matter, it wasn't about the money. I was like, well, if I change lives, I'll find a way to make money. You know, I have the opportunity to be the best part of somebody's day. And that's pretty damn cool, right? Somebody could show up and I don't know how many times they have where they're having a bad day. You know, they're a rough day at work. You know, their business is going under They're They're can't get along with their spouse, whatever, you know, a, a relative passed away, whatever it might be. And then in that moment, in that space, we can just focus on them being the best version of themselves and, and kind of get between their ears because that's what we do as coaches. And they leave there feeling better. Not that we've solved any of their problems, but we could shift their perspective, right? We can't always control what happens to us in our lives.
but we can always control the meaning we give to it, right? What are we going to do about it? That's a powerful question. What are we going to do about it? We have that choice, no matter what, no matter what you're going through, you have that choice. What meaning are you going to give this experience that happens to you? And the more we can remind each other of this, I feel like we empower each other to, to live the best versions of ourselves. And that's what I'm in this for, man. <clears throat> well, that was very beautifully said, bro. And you know, you, you, you said that I don't have any wisdom really to give, but the fact that you're personal is the main key that I take away from all that. And I think that is the thing that lacks in a lot of vocations that are involved with people. They lack the personability. They lack the likability factor to them. They lack charisma. They lack the ability to get somebody comfortable enough to get them productive and to get them productive makes, makes them see results. And so people are Oftentimes trainers put the cart before the horse. They put the education, they put the background, they put the body, they put the look, everything in the forefront before they work on their personality. And I got to be honest with you. I can tell if a good personal trainer, or I'm sorry, if a personal trainer is going to be good or successful based on their personality, because I don't know about you, but I do know this, but I'm, so I'm going to speak for you as well. You don't want to spend time with somebody who you don't get along with and who doesn't have a likability factor to them. The thing about you that's made you so successful, even on the community level, is the fact that you are such a likable person and you have uh, almost a, a gravitational pull to you. You have that aura, that energy to you. And that's what causes people to want to stick around so that you can progress them so that you can get the results. Because one thing you may not know that you do, but you probably, I'm assuming do it very well because I haven't been in any personal training session with you to know this, but I'd almost presuppose this with confidence that you have the ability to make someone feel comfortable. When you make them feel comfortable, you get them to be productive. When you get them to be productive, you can get them results. So it's much more about being personal than it is being a trainer. You can have all the credentials at the end of your name. Yep. You can have all the education, all the seminars in the back pocket. But if you don't know how to fucking coordinate with people, yep. if you don't know how to react in a way that keeps people going and productive, if you don't know how to chameleonize to a person in their emotional state that they're in at that point, then you're going to lose a lot and you're going to leave a lot on the table. I've always told any of the trainers that come work for me, well, maybe I've said this to them, maybe I don't, but I always say this to myself. I've said this to people multiple times. The training session starts before the person gets out of the car and you can see that person sitting in their car. Before that person gets out of their car, you can see how long it takes them to get out of their car. If they stall in their car before they get out of the, for the appointment, if they're, if get, if your appointment starts at four 30 and they're there at four 28, four 29, they still haven't got out of the fucking car yet. You can tell right out of the gate. It's not because they're trying to be punctual. They're trying to bleed it out as long as they can. So you can probably presuppose that they don't want to see you in that moment. And then it starts with watching their gate after they close their door. How are they walking to the doors of that, of that, of that fitness center? How are they getting to you? And then 
After they open the door, how do they greet you? So everything starts when they're in their car and you better be monitoring that. If you can, if you're in a, in a facility where you can monitor from the outside in or from the, around the inside out, that person's behaviors before they step to you, because it really is going to predicate their energy. And then that's going to predicate the way you in reciprocity react to them. And that's going to stage the energy for the workout. And it's hopefully going to make it better if you have that kind of the data before that person comes to you and actually greets you. So, but man, like I said, you're personal and you're very likable and it's hard to be likable when you're good looking because <laughs> everybody puts a, a, a certain kind of stigma on you right out of the gate. And if they know something about you, that second or third hand knowledge that may not be factual, but it's what they have heard. And so now it's burned in their memory. When they, when they affiliate David with this, they think this about David when they don't know the actual truth. That's been my ser That's been a little bit of my history. Yep. So I'm sure you deal with it as well. The fact is there are people on this planet that you just can't help but be pulled to. And more often than not, you're going to be pulled in everybody's direction because you have a certain kind of personality and gravitas and bravado to you. And there may be 4% of people in this world that are going to absolutely hate you, never give you the benefit of the doubt, never give you the time of day, even if you're somebody that they would ultimately like. They're never going to give you that time. And the 4% will weigh on people like us because we do want to be accepted. We do want to be, we do want to have, you know, we want to be, everybody wants to be liked, man. Let's be honest. But we do want to not put, have standoff. We don't want people to be standoffish towards us. We want people to want to appreciate us for what we have to bring to the table. But not everybody's going to give you that time of day. So when people do come into your presence and they do, they do experience what you are, man, which is a very likable, personal person. That's what keeps them coming back. That's what kept Gabriella from coming to coming back, man, because she could, she could just, she could just, maybe you were relatable to her to some degree, but even if you weren't relatable, you were a person that she felt safe with. And yep. safety is massively important when you're dealing with somebody's body and you're dealing with somebody in a vulnerable position or vulnerable state as personal training and personal trainers do. Yeah, I think it comes down. So we could, we could really unpack this stuff. Let's do it. I think it comes down to our core principles, right? Like being a good freaking person, man, working hard treating people the way you want to be treated, not being a shithead, right? You talk about all these people who, who want to judge you because of the way you look. I've never been that guy. I don't care what you look like. Are you a good person? Right? Um, <clears throat> not to change topics, but it kind of relates here. I had, I recently had a buddy who, who lost his mom and we were at lunch the other day and he's talking about how him and his brothers are, are gathering all their, all their mom's things. And, um, you know, they're laughing, they're crying, they're, they're, they're just telling all their stories. And they have this moment where they're like, fuck, man, she doesn't get to take any of this shit with her. You know, all of like, she had, they had all of her things that were so valuable to her. 
And there was this like moment of realization, like, oh yeah, it's not hers anymore. We got to, we got to take it. We got to give it to someone. We got to throw it away. And, and there was this moment of like, like, like prioritizing, you know, your life. Like what is, what is really important and what do we get caught up in? You know, I'm fascinated with, with psychology because I think the, the, the things that we feed our brain shapes our perception of life and what we expect of ourselves, what we expect of other people. How hard should I be working? Should I be working Monday through Friday, nine to five? Or should I be working seven days a week, 12 hours a day? Or, or what about my family life, right? Do, do I need date night once a week with my wife? When do I put the dad hat on for my kid? What about my extended family? What about my wife's family, right? Uh, business, relationships, like health, spiritual stuff. There's all these different buckets of, I call them buckets, but there's all these different things in life that we as humans need to figure out. And, and I often say, you know, I got to find a way to balance all of these things with my time. We all have the same amount of time. And, but we don't all have the same goals. We don't all have the same challenges. We don't all have the same abilities. That's all different and unique to each of us. And so what we need to do that I think most people aren't doing enough of is step back for a moment and, and reflect and assess where you're at in your life at this time and say, okay, you know, I'm fuck, I'm 39 years old. I'm, I got a beautiful wife. I got three beautiful daughters. I'm the luckiest guy in the world with that right there. But I also have this opportunity to, to manage this software that, that I thought of, which is crazy, right? I just so happen to have resources available to me that allowed me to pursue this, this idea in my head and, and make it a reality that I'm still working, you know, seven years later. And that evolved into another little company. And, I, and all this time, I've still really been able to, to work my passion, which is personal training. I've been doing that since 2002, like I often refer to myself as a dinosaur in this industry, man. I, I got certified through NASM in 2002 and, and I train, I train the 10 and 11 year old baseball kids on Sundays, you know, and, and the 13 and 14 year old baseball kids for the bulls here. There's 40 of them. None of them were alive in 2002. None of them. So there's all of this stuff that I, I reflect on and, and I just obsess over the mind, right? So what started as an obsession over health and fitness through my career evolved into just really learning like, man, if you want to help somebody experience a physical transformation, they need to deliver or you need to deliver a mental transformation, right? Because you're not going to do the same shit day in and day out and get a new result, right? So if I can't change the things you're doing, on a regular basis, I'm never going to change the way you look or feel. And if we reverse engineer that, right, it, it starts with our thoughts, right? Our thoughts, the things that we feed our brain, the things that are going on in our head between our ears, ultimately dictate the decisions we make in our life, right? Am I going to get out of bed an hour before I normally do to work out? Or am I going to hit snooze 10 times on that alarm? And then, nah, fuck, now I'm too late. I don't have time to work out, right? That's a decision. And you not hitting snooze or you hitting snooze is an action, right? So if I can control your thoughts, I can control your decisions, I can control your, a a control your actions and ultimately inspire you to, 
to make better decisions that serve your needs, wants, and goals, despite the challenges that you're dealing with in your day-to-day world, right? So when we, when we meet with new clients, it's like, okay, nice to meet you. Tell me about yourself. What are you doing here, right? What, if, if I could snap my fingers and magically, you know, make you look and feel any way you wanted to look and feel, what would that be? right? Oh, I'd be 20 pounds lighter. I'd be stronger. I'd have tighter triceps. I'd have a bigger butt, you know, a flatter stomach, all this stuff. Right. But at the end of the day, I always, I remember early in my career, somebody telling me nobody wants to fucking pay for a personal trainer, man. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have, dude, I'm, I'm killing it. I got all kinds of people that, that pay me to train them. They're like, they don't give a fuck about paying a personal trainer. They're not, they don't want to pay you They want the results they associate with you, right? So they want to look good in their bikini. They want to to feel good with their shirt off. They want to look good naked. They want to have more energy. They want to be able to run around with their grandkids for the first time in their lives and wrestle around on the lawn. They want to be able to, to live with energy and vitality into their 60s and beyond, you know? Um... So that was a big moment for me. Like, oh, okay. Like that makes a lot of fucking sense. This isn't about me. It's about what can I do for these people? So understanding what are your goals? Why are they important to you? And what the fuck are you going to do about it? Right. And that's where we come in. The, the, what, the, what are you going to do about it part? Right. So we need to identify the things that prevent them from achieving or maintaining their health and fitness goals. And we need to provide a solution around those. We need to figure out when their cravings are kicking in and we need to find a way to shift their thoughts and the meaning that they give to those cravings, right? So when you want that ice cream at 1030 at night and you're just so used to doing it or you want that glass of wine at the end of every day because you've earned it, that's a bullshit story that you keep telling yourself. So if you're going to change that habit, we need to change that story, right? You didn't earn that wine. You don't deserve that glass of wine. Or maybe whatever, if, if, if that aligns with your goals, fine. But if it doesn't stop doing it, if it doesn't, let's tell ourselves a different story. Let's tell ourselves you deserve to not have that wine every single night. That's jeopardizing your success. You deserve to be happy and healthy and vibrant and energized and all of these things. So we got to work around some of these habits that are preventing you from getting there and just having that interaction. See what I think. What I think I do well at is listening and then communicating, right? I can listen and I could figure out like, okay, what is my role here? My role is to identify the problem and provide a unique solution. The end of the day, right? There's tons of trainers around here and we live in a a day and age where everyone has a Peloton. Everyone has a cell phone. You can pull up free workouts on videos on YouTube or the internet. And, and you could figure out, you know, a full body program to do three times a week. That's going to help you progress. We got to find a way to be unique. We, we need to be human in this world of technology. It's funny that I say that because I'm the co-founder of a technology platform, but I've from day one have always said technology will never replace the human experience. It could enhance it. We can do things to kind of automate the time-consuming, tedious tasks, but don't try to replace the personal trainer with technology because that's not going to happen. 
you can't replace empathy with technology. You can't replace somebody genuinely listening and understanding your story and and empathizing and then providing a solution and then giving you that that re, like really cheering you on. I could get push notifications says, hey, you forgot to work out today. Great. Ignore, right? But when you have somebody who texts you and say, hey, what'd you do today? What'd you eat? What was dinner? Now you got to an answer to that guy who's not, you can't just ignore. And that's a different story, man. I think that's why we'll always be here. There, there's always going to be a place for real humans who really want to help. And that's you, man. And that's me. How much of it do you think just boils down to sucking it up and having discipline to make a certain choice for your future as opposed to the instant gratification that comes along with, well, I want to have that glass of wine. Like how much of it do we have to get really that comprehensive about apart from saying, stop being fucking weak. Yeah. And stop giving into your temp to these temptations and stop giving into things that you once did that got you in this fucking position that you're in now. Yep. So how much of it is like, well, let's reframe the story or the theme here and let's just give them hard fucking probes that say, look, this is what you have to do to get what you want to get. If you don't want to do this, that's on you. Yeah. That's the David Goggins, right? Stay hard. No matter what, just work, work. I'm, I'm not, I'm not that guy. So I believe there's, I call it balance. Um, I think there's a spectrum for everything in our life, right? There's an extreme end of a, of a spectrum with discipline or doing what you want, right? <clears throat> so let's talk diet. So a super disciplined diet is, is eating only what like supports your needs, wants, and goals. So essentially you're fueling your body like a robot or a machine and you're not putting anything in your face that you enjoy. It's strictly about performance. It's about my goals. I'm not consuming food or beverages because I enjoy it. I'm just doing it to fuel the body, right? And I, I've met people like that and that's fine if that's your personality type, if it's realistic for you, great. But that's one end of the spectrum. And then the other end of the spectrum is not having a care in the world, eating whatever the fuck you want all day, every day, and being like, yeah, whatever, I love food, it is what it is, right? So, so those are two ends of that spectrum. What I try to do is identify where you're at. So where are you, where is Justin at on this spectrum? And there's a lot of variables to consider. What are your goals, right? What are you doing currently, right? Like, like and then, you know, like, what do you enjoy? There's a lot of variables here. But essentially, once I understand your goals and what you're currently doing, then I can create a plan that says, okay, how bad do you want it? When do you want to achieve these results by, right? If it's 30 days, good luck. But if it's three months or less, right, we got to get pretty damn extreme. And you got to understand that I'm probably going to put you on some program that's not sustainable for a long period of time if you want these drastic changes. And honestly, I wouldn't typically even recommend that. I'm doing 75 hard right now, which I've known about for years since, since, Andy Frisella launched it and I always thought it was stupid. Absolutely horseshit. But some, somewhere along the lines, I allowed my clients to talk me into doing it because I perceived it as a mental toughness challenge and not a physical fitness challenge, right? It's very extreme and I understand that. So then it becomes, hmm, 
do I have the discipline to see this through? And I understand that it's very extreme and I would never recommend for a client trying to lose weight that they do something like that because it's not the smartest approach, right? So, so where are we on that spectrum? Do I need to eat healthy 70% of the time and then 30% of the time I could have a glass of wine, a couple of cookies, some pasta, whatever it might be? Maybe. Or do I need to really crack down for the next three months and 90% of the time I need to eat discipline and maybe give myself this 10% window. Maybe it's one meal a week, maybe it's one day a week, whatever it might be, to where I can be a human and actually enjoy my life. Because I think at the end of the day, we gotta keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is rarely looking good with your shirt off or, or, or feeling confident in a bikini. The main thing is usually quality of life. What is the quality of life? So if by not allowing you to eat certain foods or drink wine or whatever it might be is compromising your quality of life, then I don't want to recommend that to you, right? So everything is kind of looked at, okay, where is Justin at on this spectrum? You know, where is this person at? Because it's going to be unique for each individual. Same with exercise, right? Do you need to work out every day? I don't know. Do you need to work out two times a day, like on 70 hard and be the very end of the spectrum? That's silly. For, for most humans, it's absolutely silly. So where do we lie on that spectrum? Is it zero times a week? Is it 14 times a week? Or is it somewhere, you know, I need to work out, I need to do something six days of the week, whatever it might, finding that balance. So when I say finding the balance, I don't mean 50-50. I just mean, what is that balance for you based on where you're at in your life at this time and what your goals are? What what does your schedule look like? What, what, what availability do you have? What are your goals? How important are they to you? What does your time frames look like? So there's all these variables that we need to consider that ultimately allow us to provide a solution to our clients based on the things that they're going through, right? I got five kids. I got a full-time job. I got a husband who's, who works 60 hours a week. I don't have time to exercise, but I really, really, really want to lose 30 pounds within the next six months. How do I do it, right? There's a lot of things to consider there. Um, so yeah, man. I, and it's your job to to rein them in when they're so unrealistic with their goals. Because yeah. you may have somebody that says, "I want to lose thirty pounds in, you know, a month and a half," and yep. uh, I want to put on muscle on top of it, and I want to, you know. And so these, obviously, for people listening, if you're immersed in the fitness space at all, or you've had your own fitness journey, you've been, you've been, you've incorporated that in your life, you know that that's ridiculous. That you're not going to do that unless you go on a starvation diet or a massive elimination diet. And you're probably not going to have a lot of steam in your workouts as a result of that elimination diet or that massive caloric restriction that you're on. So the fact of the matter is you, you're, it's your job to rein these people in and show them what reality is. And sometimes dude, uh, you know, the balance approach is something that's hard for all of us. It's hard for me. I would love to be more balanced. I don't know how to do it because I'm so, and I, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to pat myself. I don't think it's something that anybody should espouse, but it's something that I, I can't get rid of. I so am, I'm tunnel vision to certain things and it's a part of my, my, probably my addictive mindset and I've always joked about it, but I'm glad I never touched drugs or alcohol because if I did. Uh, you wouldn't see this person that you see today. And I'm not saying this person is of any measure, but I'm saying if I had 
the ability, rather, if I adopted those things back in my, you know, my teen years or my 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 early twenties, fuck, man. Yep. God help me, yep. because it would have been a whole different direction. So when when the, when when you're reining these people in and showing them what reality is and showing them, look, man, even though. And, and arguably people come to you because they know you as a results guy and they know that this is the guy to go to. So it's like, they almost think you can work magic to some degree. They're expecting that or they're hoping that at least. So when you tell them this is not magic, this is something that you and I need to have a, uh, 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 we need to have, we need to take part in the exchange on both our ends. And this has to be a marriage. Yep. It can't be anything apart from that. Cause if it is, then this is not going to work out. So, and it's not going to work to your benefit. Yep. So when you tell, when they have these goals that are unrealistic and you're reining them in and they're like, well, uh, I thought you were this guy. <laughs> I thought you, you know, you got this results for this person. And it's like, yes, but listen, you need to do your part at being realistic and we need to do, I need to do my part in finding the balance, the equation, the solution rather to what has not worked for you in past in your past, because clearly you doing this on your own hasn't worked out for you. Yeah. So this is the equation or rather this is a solution to the equation. Are you going to be able to continue this and not just continue it, but cultivate it as it goes on? Because Ultimately, I'm not going to be here forever and I need to develop these behaviors in you. I need to redirect your behavioral patterns and so that you, when you leave me, you are soaring and you're not, you're not, you don't, you don't know, you, you can navigate your way rather now than you could prior. So that's my job is to get you to be self-sufficient. So I need to reinstill new behaviors, new patterns, because you're too, you're too indoctrinated with these old patterns and familiarities that are not serving you. Right. These are the things that are going to serve you in the future. So at some point though, you know, I, I listen, look, man, it may seem like I'm going against what you say in some regards. And also with what I have promulgated in the past on, on past podcasts, because I'm not David Goggins. I don't believe. And I honestly do believe that David himself is not being 100% real. I don't mean that from a pejorative stance, like, or to put a pejorative on his name. I think he's fucking the real deal, but I also think that he's human. And I also think that because he is human, he's not as robotic and fucking hardened as some people might believe because of what he conveys. I do think that he does that in defense because he does want to be more balanced and even though he's not, the, he's not, and probably ever going to be balanced because he's probably on one end of the spectrum high and on the other end of the spectrum low. Yeah. So he's either up, 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 or he's real, real fucking low, which is yeah. the reason why he was 300 pounds, right? Yeah. Yep. You and I have never been 300 pounds. We'll never get to 300 pounds because we would not fucking allow it, dude. Yeah. Now we would stop it once we get 15 pounds. We're like, fuck, this is too much. 15 pounds? Uh-uh. I got I to gotta rein it back in here. So yeah. I don't know how somebody gets to that level. Now, that being said, that was probably pre-David seal, pre-David anything hardened, stay hard. It was pre-any of that. But I still think that people like David, although meaning well and well-intended, I do not think that's everything. 
I do think that there is somebody in there that would like to be somewhat more balanced than they are, but fucking can't take the fucking, they can't take the cuffs off. Right. They just can't, man. Right. They, and then now they've, 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 pro, they've promulgated this fucking, this um, bravado that they cannot let down. Yeah. They got millions of people watching them. There's yeah. no way that he can turn the other direction, even for a little while yeah. or even left a little bit. He can't, he's stuck, bro. He's yeah. stuck. And if he does that, he loses his identity. He loses his bravado. He loses his, his, his everything Man, he can't bro, which is kind of a shitty thing. Cause the thing that made him ultra famous is going to be the thing that can break him ultimately yeah. too, man. 100%. I agree. I don't disagree with any of that. And honestly, I've had a few clients like that who, who came to me at 300 plus pounds and they got ripped like six pack abs, 185, 200 pounds shredded. And then, you know, they stop training and then they fall out. They're extremists, right? They're extremely in or extremely out. And they don't know how to balance that. They don't know how to tote that line where it's like, okay. Like they don't know how to maintain that 70, 80, 90% space. It's either 100 or zero. And there's a lot, there's a lot of demons there, man. That's a lot. That's dirty. And that's, that's, I wouldn't know personally because that's not who I am, but I could imagine the shit you must be dealing with mentally and physically at, with that approach. That's typically not the way to do it. I could see that the only exception I would make is like short terms, perhaps like if you want to do something for the sake of doing something, just to see what you're made of. Sure. Let's, let's go all in for a short period of time. Let's not pretend this is, this is the right way to approach your health and fitness goals or your life for that matter. Right. <clears throat> let's, let's recognize this extreme approach for what it is, which is fucking extreme and not sustainable. And typically solutions humans want are things that are going to progress them towards their goals for the rest of their lives. Right. Because this shit never ends. It never fucking ends. You know that. It doesn't matter where you are. Whenever you get to that goal you have in mind, you're going to get there and you're going to pat yourself on the back and you're going to feel really good for a short amount of time. And then you're going to see another mountain. You're like, I want to get up that motherfucker right there. And then whether you get up there or not, it, it, it never ends. It never ends. That's such as life, right? Like we could make X amount of dollars and we hit our goal. Wow. I never thought I was going to make X amount of dollars. And all of a sudden you have a new standard. I want to make this amount next year, right? We, you might move into your dream home one day and then you move into that dream home and a year later you want something else, right? I think, and obviously these are just examples that only apply to some people, but what applies to everybody is the desire for growth, right? Because if we're not growing, we feel dead inside right? Uh, Tony Robbins says it's one of the six human needs is to grow, to feel like we're accomplishing something, progressing our lives in one way, shape or form. So if we feel like we've reached this place where it's like, okay, I made it. And then we get stagnant. It's a real problem. That's why when, when people hit retirement, so many people end up losing their minds because now all of a sudden they don't have that thing to get out of bed for that excites them. And it doesn't matter if it's hard. It should be hard. Newsflash, people. Anyone listening to this, you should, you should embrace things that are hard. 
Be, because on the other side of that adversity, on the other side of that struggle is a stronger, better version of yourself. We need to go through that friction in order to level up, in order to grow, which is fundamentally what we all want. We all want to progress in our life in some way, shape, or form. Not necessarily to the extreme of, of a David Goggins where you know we're, we're going all out 24-7 a day, 24-7, 365. But my point is, I think, I think we don't, I think complacency, I think comfort, I think, I think being comfortable for too long is a problem, right? I think, I think if it's like, oh man, I'm so content here, then, then I think we gradually start to, to fall apart and, and we lose that passion for whatever the heck it was we had when we were working toward a goal. It's important. And I'm a, if I've done anything, I'm an example of, of the fact that you could struggle, you could work hard, and you could learn from that shit. You could, you could come out on the other side of that adversity, a better version, you really can. But what you can't let it do is break you. See, that's the difference. And I believe that it's really just your perception and the meaning you give to that adversity, right? What is, what is that thing, that horrible thing that happened to you in your life mean? And it's not always easy and I'm pretending it's not, I'm not, I'm not pretending that like when shit hits the fan, you can just go, okay, whatever, I'm going to be better for it. And there's no pain or discomfort there. What I'm saying is if you look hard enough, there's usually lessons that can be learned. There's usually a certain takeaway that you, if you really look, if you really search, you can find, I mean, you see people who lose all their arms and legs and next thing you know, they're they're speaking on stages across the country about perseverance and, and, and how to inspire somebody to live a better life. That's crazy, right? Because a lot of people who lose their arms and legs, they, they'd rather die than continue, you know, to live in this place like that. So it's, you know, you often see cancer survivors who have a newfound perspective on life because they were so close to death. Why is that? I think, I think when shit gets real, you tend to internal, you tend to just look inside. I mean, my buddy whose mom recently passed, what happened? They, him and his brothers are reflecting on the situation and all of a sudden they're prioritizing everything in their lives. So they're going to go to their homes, to their wives and their kids, and they're going to be better husbands, better fathers because of that loss that gave them perspective. You know what, our time here is, is, is fragile, right? Life is fragile and, and our time could come at any moment. So how am I gonna choose to live my life? Am I gonna go home and bury my face in my phone all night or am I gonna be present with my wife and kids, right? And now that might not happen for the rest of their lives, right? But maybe for the next couple weeks or a couple months, they're more present and they're better at being a husband, at being a father, at, at working with their clients, their customers, whatever it is you do. But there's always, there's always that growth. You always need to be looking for that next thing that's going to go, hey, dummy, get it together. Our time here is limited. What is, I'll tell you something. I'm, I'm rambling, but <clears throat> I had a conversation with my cousin this morning. <clears throat> and uh, we were, I was, I'm reading this book, the what the hell is it called? The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, Stephen Covey, it's a great book. 
um, there's a chapter in there where he says, you know what, I want you to visualize somebody in your family who you love dearly. <clears throat> and I want, you to, I want you to envision that you're at their funeral. You're pulling up and, and you're walking down the aisle and, and you know, look around the room. Who do you see? You know, what are their emotions? Are they laughing? Are they crying? You know, what are they wearing? What's the vibe? And he's like, you approach the casket. And of course, I'm thinking of my mom. And it's like a crazy feeling, right? So I'm, I'm reading this book. And I'm like, dang, this is crazy. What's going on here? And he goes, you approach the casket and you're in there. And he goes, now I want you to turn around and look at the room. And he goes, what's everyone doing? Who's there? Who's in the front row? What is their reaction? Right? And he has you visualizing all this shit. <clears throat> and the lesson that he ultimately goes on to, to push in the chapter is that it's think with the end in mind. And I, use, I always tell my wife, like, in a weird way, I don't know where I got this, but somewhere along, the, along my path here, I, I, I would think about what people are going to say about me at my funeral. And that motivates the fuck out of me, man. It motivates the hell out of me. And I don't think for selfish reasons, but I think like if nobody's there, what kind of life did I live? You know, if nobody has anything to say, who did I really impact? Right. So and I think maybe because I've been to a few funerals and I've often thought about in those moments, you know, what are people going to say about me? And 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 I think we're similar in the sense that that I think if at the end of the day, when my time here is done, if I want to, I want to feel like I made an impact, right? I don't need to change the world, but if I could potentially inspire one person to say, Hey, because of you, I didn't give up because of you. I did this thing and it led to this and, and, and I'm so thankful for this. And, and now, now my life is better because of that one. Thing. If I can inspire one person, man, it's a big deal. So I often think about that as like a guide to on how I approach my job, how I approach my, my life, my day. Um, and it's motivating as hell. Um, but it hits different. It hits different when you're reading in that book, man. You, you, you're, envision, you're reading and it goes, okay, you look in the casket and it's not the person you thought, it's you. Look, turn around and, and what do you see? And it, it, it sounds kind of dark and, and morbid, I think a little bit, but, but ultimately, you know, we all, we all have a time. Our time's going to come. And um, it inspires me to try to be better, to try to do more, um, knowing that our time is finite and, you know, one day we're gone. That's probably why he, uh, you said Stephen, Col Stephen Colbert? Covey. Covey. I was like, Colbert. No, it's not Colbert. <laughs> um, he probably, that's probably why he portrays it in the way like he does where he says, you know, think of somebody that you really, really love dearly because yeah. we all love ourselves the most mm. dearly. And so that's why he, he probably tells you, you know, think of somebody that is, is the most important to you. And then it's you in the casket, obviously. So we, even though, and you know, you don't have to be a narcissist to love yourself. Like everybody, you're your most important person. And if you don't, if you don't know that to be true, find yourself in a fire. Mm. 
yeah. and you're going to be the first one to save your st- automatically that threat response is going to go off. I need to save myself. And then you're going to think about your dog and your wife. And even though you're not a selfish person by nature, right. naturally it's the nervous system that's going to tell you save yourself, dude. You know what I mean? So obviously we, by, by default, we love ourselves the most and that's for everybody. Even if you're a depressed person, I mean, obviously you can argue that person and, and the lack of, you know, the, the, the chemical imbalances that they're dealing with that are causing them to be in that depressed state. They probably, yes, they probably don't value themselves in iota. And for that reason, they would, they would easily, you know, subjugate themselves to certain circumstances. But the fact of the matter is we do love each other, love ourselves the most. And so that would hit home to any of us looking at our looking out amongst the crowd and if it's if it's shallow or if it's deep with people like we want people to want to appreciate us to value us to say good words about us and most people are doing are putting the cart before the horse in this aspect as well and doing everything they can facilitally to try to create this response from people instead of doing it in, instead of impacting people intrinsically and leaving an impression on them. And that starts with any and every conversation you have from any, anything when it, when it happens, everything in terms of you saying hi to somebody in passing or at a gym, or if you, if somebody talks to you about a certain exercise and you are, it's taking from your workout. Cause I'm sure this is happening. This happens to me all the time. People try to talk to you about a certain exercise or why you do this this way or or what's this for and you could put your headphones in and ignore them but because you're not an asshole or a prick you spend time with them because people fucking matter right. and that's the reason why you're in the position that you're in and what who better to be in that position than somebody like you because you actually value people and the time that you have with them. Now, listen, that's not to say that you're going to think that way every single time with every single person because life happens to all of us and moods happen to all of us. Of and we're emotional beings, man. And sometimes you don't want to talk at all. Sometimes you don't want to, you don't want to listen to somebody, but when you do, it's almost like there's a direct reciprocity that's, 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 you know, created. You feel like you feel rewarded in a way that you can never, that, that you can't make, you can't materialize on your own because that person, you listened to that person, even when you didn't want to, they said something probably, or they said something to you that was giving you maybe an accolade that you didn't expect that you're like, fuck man. I, I feel like a, I feel like an asshole for being in the position that I was in prior to them conversating with me because I didn't want to talk to them. But now I'm so glad because they opened a doorway for me that I wouldn't have had otherwise by talking to them. And I, it made my day, it made my week, whatever. Like, but if we don't, if we don't put the precedence on people and conversations and finding out what makes people tick or what's so fascinating about them, because you were saying before the podcast, you love people. People are fascinating. You just find people fascinating. And that's arguably the reason why I do this podcast too, man. And all these things are very, very much tantamount to each other. So it's like, I know what you're saying. 
Like I, I, I get it, man. And we may be going off on tangents and such, but like headquarters are headquarters and what's at headquarters is people and making people feel better and feel different about them, their current circumstance and av- actively allowing them to see things differently and maybe find the balance in the equation that they may not have seen on their own or been able to dis- dissect on their own. These things matter and the impact you leave with people matter how you rather impact them matters. And people are so busy with everything going on in their day. And I get it, bro. I get it. Or woman, whoever's listening. I get it. I get that you're selfish by nature. I am too. So is David. But things around us and the way we care and the way we empathize make us unselfish in those times. And those are the times that matter. And those are the times that may change people. And you may not understand how it's going to change people or how it's going to make people move in a different direction. And so being aware of that, conscious of that, and actually invoking that, that change in people has a direct correlation to how you're going to leave this earth and how people are going to fucking remember you or if they're going to remember you at all. And that matters. So I don't know how we got here, but we're here. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have to go with it, David. It's a good, it's a good tangent, man, that it's real, you know, and that's what I love about, you know, you and, and, and the way you speak on this podcast, man, you're just, it's straight from the chest, right? It's just, there's no agenda here. We're just talking and, and the conversation goes where, where our passion takes it. You know, we're two passionate guys about not just health and fitness, but about people and about serving people and, and trying to inspire people and, 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 you know, as silly as it sounds, if, if there's one person listening to this thing goes, holy shit, these guys, you know, these guys really got to me. And tomorrow I'm going to wake up with a different approach. You know, I'm going to wake up with a different mindset to where maybe I'm going to do that thing that I've been putting off for weeks, months, years. Then we're both fucking stoked, right? And we may never know if that happens or not, but if it does, it was, that's what, that's why we do what we do, man. I look, as I shifted from the health and fitness space, uh, I didn't shift from the health and fitness space, but getting into the technology and software world, I, I recognize all the crossovers there. Um, you know, why we do what we do. You know, the, you know, it's so funny. Like as I was teaching, so, so what I went from is full-time trainer, fitness coach to somebody selling software and then essentially helping other gyms and other coaches, um, grow their businesses, their fitness businesses. And I found myself speaking to them like I would speak to a potential client. So I'd get on the phone with the gym owner and I'd say, all right, man, why are we here? Why'd you schedule this call? You know, what are your goals? And I'm like, that's funny. That's what I've been asking people for 15 years. You know, what are your goals? And instead of saying like, oh, I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to, you know, I want to build some muscle. They're saying things like, well, I just opened a gym. I'm nervous as hell. And and I just need some clients. I want to make some money, but it's not even about the money. It's about helping people. But I know I need to make money in order to stay in this business. So blah, 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 blah. And then they start telling me about their goals and their challenges. Right. And then I start seeing things like, oh, this is crazy. This is now I'm in this position where I'm trying to help people grow their business the exact same way. And it's the same series of questions. Right. When I when I have these consultations these business consultations with these gym owners, it's no different than these fitness consultations with these average Joes and Janes or the Gabriellas of the world. Um, 
And I realized that success carries over, right? So what I learned in the health and fitness space is if you want to be successful, you need to put forth a consistent effort, right? So I have this like thing, it's effort plus consistency over time equals results or success, right? So effort, you know, make sure you're working hard when you exercise, right? Uh, you try to be disciplined with your diet, right? Choose the salad instead of the, the mac and cheese, right? That, that requires an effort, right? Uh, consistency. We can't just do this shit once a month and ex- we can't go to the gym for three hours once a month and expect it to, to, to change our lives. We got to go consistently. We got to go every day. We got to, we got to eat healthy daily. We got to, we got to do all these things consistently. So effort, consistency, and then it just doesn't happen overnight, right? We don't put on 50 pounds overnight. We're not going to lose it overnight. So we need time in that equation. So effort plus consistency over time equals results. And now I'm talking to these gym owners and I'm like, all right, dude, think about what you preach to your clients, right? They need to put forth an effort, right? So, so now your effort as a gym owner might be marketing, you know, building, uh, flyers, promoting your business, uh, showing your clients how much you care, you know, going to mixers local in the community, trying to tell people about what you're doing and why you're doing it. That's an effort. And you can't do that shit once a month. Just like you can't work out once a month and expect difference, right? We need consistency. So you need to be doing this shit constantly and constantly need to put forth that effort. So you have consistency and then it's not going to happen overnight. So you got to grind through it. You got to persevere, right? Life's going to happen and sometimes shit's not going to go your way. But if you have perseverance and you continue to push, you put forth that effort consistently over time, you're going to get results and you're going to have a successful gym, right? A successful business. So I noticed that, oh, the same success formula over here works over here and it works everywhere, right? Anything you're trying to accomplish in your life, whether you're trying to be the best athlete you could be, whether you're trying to be the best chef you could be, whether you're trying to be the best mom or dad or grandpa or husband or wife or whatever the hell it is, put forth a consistent effort over time. And if you continue to try, nowhere did I say you need to be talented, right? Nowhere did I say you need to be smart. You need to have this skill, right? What I need is a consistent effort over time and you will get a result. Now you might, I'm not saying you'll be LeBron James and play in the NBA. Obviously that's, that's taking this example and, and, and reaching with it. But if you want to be successful in your life, find what you're passionate about, find what you enjoy, because it's going to be easier to put forth that consistent effort. If you don't hate doing it, if I hate getting up and going to my job, and I'm trying to be successful in that place, it's going to be hard. But if I love doing it, that's why we do what we do. We enjoy helping people. So it becomes very easy to put forth that effort. It's easy for us to get up early, go to the gym, do what we got to do because we enjoy that process. So now we can easily put forth that effort consistently and then we can find our success. It's almost effortless. Yeah. It's almost effortless to do something that you, you're almost, you feel like you're bred to do and it just you have such an such a, a profound passion for it's almost you know I talked about it in the very beginning with your exchange with Gabriella and it's you know you were made a certain way and the way that you receive people is just you can't teach it the way that you dispense with people you just can't teach it so a lot of people they're trying to 
mold themselves into somebody who they just can't be. And they're just not biochemically and biologically meant to be. And they try so with the these seminars and these health self-help books and reading everything they can, listening to all these different people talk. And ultimately, they're just not cut from that cloth. And so they're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And it's coming with so much effort and so much consistency but it's almost like it's out of in vain, man, because they did. It's just not going to happen yep. other. And, and so when they find out who they really are, which the only way you're going to have that happen is if you have a constant conversation with yourself about shit you like, and you're a, and you're willing to maybe obsess some people along the way that don't want you to do certain things that want you to go down this path, but you keep selfish with what it is that sets you on fire and you do more of that and you put you as much as you're putting effort into it it's so effortless and because it is you get so much more ROI you know and and the, the if more people recognize that and just put a back seat on money put a back seat on any kind of fame that they aspire to have and they just did the thing that sets them on fire that actually can get them out of bed in the morning. And even though they're displacing effort, it's coming effortlessly because they're so inclined and have a natural proclivity to do so. They would be, you know, they do that over time, that compounds, then you're going to be where you want in the, in the, in the beginning where you want all these things, you want money, you want fame. Maybe those things come, maybe they don't. But the fact of the matter is whatever you are doing, you can bank on the fact that you're leaving an impact in a trail along the way because what you are doing is has a profound effect tethered to it because you are so passionate. And I've never met anybody that's passionate and been fucking dull. Yeah. They've never been dull. Yeah. And because they've never been dull, that means they're loud. When you're passionate, you're loud, but you're loud for the right reasons. And people want to follow you. People want what you have to sell. People want what you have, period. So what the fact of the matter is, find your passion as long as, as much as it sounds cliche and like it should be an Instagram meme, fuck it. You need to find that passion because whatever that passion is, you'll do it effortlessly, but you'll have so much effort driving you because you'll love to do it. And it'll be the thing that gets you out of bed and stops you from being a piece of shit overall with your life. I mean, you're doing that. You've been doing that. You're an exact testament of what that looks like. And you didn't predicate PT or anything you do in life off of money. Nobody gets into PT because they want to be a millionaire. People get into PT because of people. It's called personal training, not training. You need to be personal first. If you're not personal, you're going to leave a lot on the table, man. And this is not the craft for you. I just, I just look, I know you got a family and you got to get back to your family and I'm keeping you a long time, but you know, we're like an hour 20 in bro, but it doesn't even seem like that because when you're talking to like-minded people, the conversation is such a great exchange and you talk about so many different things of value that it just, you want it to keep going. I I can talk to you for another three hours effortlessly, dude, because it's some, I, I found something 
I found a person that I can orient myself around in a very comfortable way, in a very, I hate to say it again, but effortless way. Like you're just, and, but the fact of the matter is you've been that person your entire life and that's what's gotten you to the position you're in now. And it's only going to supersede itself in the future. You know, this is not going to stop for you. And it's something that because you put so much effort into it, but something that the, that really is effortless to you, it's going to have so much ROI in the future. And because you're not going to give up, dude, I know that in you, that's been your, that's been your, that's been the, the sort of the underpinning of who you are in your name throughout the years, throughout the decades. It's not going to stop. It's only going to get better. Even in adversity and trial and challenge, you're going to find a way to overcome the obstacle. It's just who you are. And more people need people like you to be able to pull from and apply in their life through situations that they're going through. They need you as somewhat of a testament to their own production, to their own success, to their own progression. And so when you say I'm doing 75 hard, you know, you say that it's hard. It's, it's not something that it's, it's not an easy process. I know that you're saying that. I know that you're true in saying that, but honestly, I see you doing something like that. It's not that hard because honestly, in full transparency, that particular workout regiment style, whatever for somebody who's disciplined, it's nothing. It may be something to an average Joe, but it's nothing to a David Pitts. Mm. So I, 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 I compliment you for being so humble about it, but I'm going to supersede your humility and I'm going to say that it's not that hard. But it's only not that hard because of what you've previously faced and what you continue to face, not only through business, but through fitness and everything you've accrued throughout the, this, the process of these endeavors. Something like 75 hard is nothing. It just requires consistent effort for two and a half months. And what's two and a half months to a David Pitts for discipline? Nothing, dude. But anyways, man, I, you know, we've said a lot and I just, you've said things so beautifully, dude. And so, so articulate. And I'm just so glad that people on the other end can hear from you and can, can, can hear the knowledge and the wisdom that you do have. And sometimes people, I will tell you, it's as simple as just making the, the more progressive choice in the moment, the progressive choice to say, look, man, I'm not going to have that Reese's, even though I fucking love Reese's, <laughs> I'm not going to have that Reese's. I'm going to have water instead. I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to have this instead. This is a better choice. These things matter long-term. And if you want to be better, you need to make these small choices. You need to allow these small choices to take residence in your life that are going to be the more progressive one. 
So again, you're, you're a massive testament to what it means to be disciplined and, and be just a walking, a walking billboard for what it, for, for a leader, for a great father, for a great husband, for just a great friend, for a great fitness business owner. Like you're just, you're just a great overall person, man. And people see that and they feel that when they encounter you. And just thank you for being you, bro. Amen. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's an honor. And and like I said in the beginning, the 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 respect respect is reciprocated. Um, you know, I could be saying these exact same things about you and, and your reputation. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it, it goes back to what we've been saying this whole time. It's who we are. And and you know, I think the I maybe maybe we got lucky. You know, maybe we got lucky that we're not so consumed by chasing the almighty dollar. Maybe we got lucky because we want to genuinely help people and we found ourselves in a position where we can. And I'll tell you what, I feel incredibly lucky that I get to do that every day. And I know you do as well. Um, so, A, thank you for, for carrying that role and, and doing it well, because there's a lot of people out there who are pretenders or who think they want to do this thing. And they're doing it all wrong. And they're trying to make money in a, in a space that's not about making money, right? So if you go into this space because you're a, an Instagram guru who, who has a ton of followers because you have abs and you start selling programs and you pretend you're the shit, uh, those aren't the people that are really changing lives. It's, it's guys like you. Um, so I, I appreciate you for, for being that guy for this industry and for the people that you've impacted um, what I love about what we do is, is, you know, we rarely get to see the ripple effect, right? When you change a client's lives, <clears throat> what we rarely get to see is how it impacts their spouse, how it impacts their children, how it impacts their parents, their cousins. And occasionally you get insight to that and you go, oh shit, that's, that's eye-opening, right? Because if you change 10 people's lives, if you have 10 clients who you help live a healthier life. Look, man, there's a lot of people out there who are surrounded by negativity. They're surrounded by people who sit around and bullshit and talk shit and they obsess with the things going on in their phone and and they're they're trapped in this world that's hostile and a horrible negative environment. And then someone like Justin Roth comes along and 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 shows them that they that he cares. He shows them what it's like to to work through struggle and, and to progress towards things that that we never thought we were capable of doing and then we get to that other side and we feel healthier and happier than we've ever been and then we come home and and then all of a sudden we start buying different groceries for our kids and then our kids start feeling better and we encourage our kids to go outside and and go for a walk or play basketball or whatever right and so those 10 clients you might have helped could essentially impact three people so now it turns into 30 and then those 30 maybe impact three people one day and then it turns into you know and, and it just keeps going so um thank you man um i guess in closing uh the one thing that i thought that uh would be worth stating on here as a closing statement for anyone still listening um people often ask me in the fitness space what is the number one element to success whether it be health and fitness or anything 
And for a long time, I used to think it was discipline, right? Discipline is that consistent effort over time. Discipline is doing the right thing, whether you want to do it or not. It's doing the thing you said you were going to do when you were in a motivated state of mind and then actually falling through. It's, it's setting your alarm at, for 6 a.m. the night before and because you were going to work out. And discipline is actually getting up and working out, right? That's discipline. But I learned, I don't think discipline's the number one variable because no matter how disciplined you are, life still knocks you on your ass sometimes. And it doesn't matter how strong, fast, fit, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter what family life you come from, um, life's gonna knock us on our ass sometimes. So I would argue that perseverance is the number one attribute for success. So if you're somebody who has grit, if you're somebody who, who obviously works for what you want and you do it consistently and you are disciplined, those are all very important. But if you don't fucking quit, man, if you don't fucking quit, you won't fail. Keep going, perseverance, right? And I promise you, no matter how badass you think you are, no matter how much you think you got this thing called life figured out, one day it's gonna knock you on your ass. And if you give in to that, then what happens to everything you've been working for? Um, if you keep going, no matter what, persevere, then, uh, then you will be successful. I agree. I agree, man. Those are really, really good words. And those are words that are often like overlooked or they're just not thought of because people are situational and they're very emotionally wound and they, they let the moment get the best of them. They let the, the, the circumstance get the best of them. And they don't think about, well, I got to keep going. There has to almost be an element of non-negotiation with whatever you're going through. And that's something that I see that you have. You wouldn't have come this far if you didn't have it. The fact that you have the ability to not negotiate with giving up is the reason why you're in the position that you're in and you're only going to climb from here. And more people need to understand that and not look at their current circumstance, but look what might happen as a byproduct of them not giving up. What could you be? Who could you become? You know, many trainers that get involved in this space, they want to be high dollar earners right out of the gate. They want to make six figures a year right out of the gate because of, I don't know, what's been peddled their way from other people. Like this shit takes time. Mastery takes time. It takes hours, hundreds of thousands of, well, not hundreds of thousands, <laughs> thousands of hours to become a master at something. It takes years, man. And unless you're willing to put forth those years and those many man hours, then you can, you can, you can quickly assume that you're not going to become a master at anything, but you need to be devoted. And once you find the thing that's worth devotion, then you'll take off, but you have to find that meaningful thing that you can devote yourself to day in, day out, sick not sick. You just have to find the thing that you can become devoted to because it really in, inevitably that's the thing that you're going to require the least amount of effort from, but you will do with massive effort because you love it so much. And that's something that you, that you have, man, 
you know, you have that devotion, not only to your family, but to your business and to your personal training craft, you know, and it's just inspiring to see somebody that has those elements, those qualities, and it's not wavering. You're not willing to waver. So for people listening, if you're willing to waver, you're willing to get knocked down multiple, multiple times, but you're not willing to persevere like David's saying and get back up and keep going and just keep going. Even if you don't know what you're doing, just fucking get up and keep going. Then you're not going to see what you're made of. And you're, you're a, you're a living testament to that, man. So I just appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Tell people where they can find you. Oh shoot. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) I'm on Facebook and Instagram, I suppose. Uh, David Pitts. Uh, there's probably a whole bunch of them. I don't even know what my official handles are. <laughs> I think I put I think I put the official David Pitts on on Instagram. David Pitts official, and then just David Pitts on on Facebook. Nice, yeah, brother. Look him up. Thank you, bro. Again, I appreciate you, man. Likewise, brother. Thank you. That was good. Done. <laughs>